Desolation Platypuses Podcast. Hello, you are listening to episode four of the Salacious Platypus Podcast. Our guest today is Tommy Chong. But first, here is a quick update on my quest to get a constituent meeting with my state representative. Achievement unlocked, y'all. I did it. I had a meeting with Texas State Representative Diego Bernal on Monday, August 1st. I thought it went pretty well. He talked to me for about an hour. I felt it was a productive conversation. He answered my questions and his office followed up with one of the issues that I had that we talked about during the meeting. So I appreciated that. He has also agreed to be a guest on the podcast. So if you have any questions that you've ever wanted to ask a representative, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we'll see if we can get him to answer some of your questions. Our guest this week is comedian Tommy Chong. You may know him from the comedy duo Cheech and Chong. You can check out his website, TommyChong.com, or you can find him on Instagram at HeyTommyChong. And now, here is our conversation with Tommy Chong. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Tandem, a coffee shop located at 310 Riverside Drive in San Antonio, Texas. Tandem is a great place. It's family-friendly, dog-friendly, and they have outdoor games, live music, coffee, beer, wine, and delicious food. Stop by for happy hour, 3 to 7 p.m. They have $2 Lone Stars, $3 Seltzers and Domestics, and $4 Sangria. Every Tuesday is Trivia Night. Every Wednesday, they have the Smash Brothers Tournament. Every Thursday night is Comedy Night. And every Friday, they have the live music. Tandem is a great place to book an event. Please stop by and support this locally owned small business. And check out their website at tandem-satx.com. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, hi. hey, hey, hey. How are hi. you? As my my little granddaughter would say, hi. 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 Okay, that's better. Now I can hear you. <laughs> I was having a hard uh I was having a hard time hearing you. How are you? you can, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um yeah. Okay, all right. So we're already recording, so I'm just gonna go ahead and uh just start, I guess. Um, Ask okay. me anything. All right. Um, so we're here today with uh, Tommy Chong. And I was going to um, introduce you as actor, comedian, Tommy Chong. But I recently learned that you don't consider yourself an actor. So why don't you tell us who is Tommy Chong? <laughs> uh, who is Tommy Chong? Well, I can do a lot of things, but I'm not really any of the things that I can do. You know, I think Tommy Chong really is, um, he's a very lucky man. That's what he is. He's, he's, uh, (laughs) I've been, uh, I've been very, very, very lucky. 
and I, and I, I attribute that a lot to uh, my my upbringing. You know, my mother, she was really uh, a special lady. So was my father, as a matter of fact, and uh, all my family. I was very lucky. So I'm I'm a that's who I am. I'm a very lucky guy. Just lucky to be here. Be lucky to be anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for taking time out of your life to be here to to talk with us today. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, Who, who's walking around in the background there? Is well, it, are you in a hotel? And is we're, that the in, we're in a coffee shop in San Antonio. Uh -huh. uh, we're on the south side of San Antonio. We're in uh, Tandem. If you're ever in San Antonio, you should come by. They have really great coffee, uh, dark butter coffee, which they're based out of Chicago, but the coffee's awesome. Uh, it's a really nice, uh, nice place, locally owned um, establishment. Uh-huh. So, well, that's good. I actually used that's to work good. here when I got out of law school. I was a barista here for a little while. Um, so, yeah, they're really nice. So they let me um, come set up here so I could record this. So that's, oh, really, that's really sweet. That's yeah. really sweet. Save, saves you uh, the expense of an office. Or yeah, for sure. And like they have that. great coffee. And I'm actually having the sangria right now, but uh, the coffee is also delicious. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting Sangria. <laughs> and they actually added some CBD, so to calm my nerves, I was a little nervous about this interview. So. Um, oh, I don't. I don't blame you. I'm a real <laughs> tough guy to interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so um, I guess I wanted to um, just talk to you for a little bit about yourself before we move on to the representative stuff. Um, I learned that. Um, I can adopt you, like, as my dad? How much does it cost to, to be a, a Chong? I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure what they're asking. Uh, it, it goes to charity. I know that much. <clears throat> no, I, I've had a few requests. You know, oh, I want, I want you to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to be your family. I want to be in there. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a pretty good idea, you know, become a Chong. I get a lot of these ideas when I... Uh, forget that I smoke up, you know, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I get a lot of these uh, crazy ideas. I go back and forth because when I get high, I get really, really crazy ideas that seem like they, they, they seem logical at the time. Yeah. But then, uh, then, then after a while, you think about it and, and then you can't understand why people give you that look. There's a look that people give you. <laughs> uh, Especially some of my friends, you know, because uh, I, I, I guess thanks to my wife, Shelby, uh, we've got these um, eclectic bunch of friends, uh, and they're very wealthy, and they're very, uh, very worldly, wealthy, worldly, and for the most part, uh, liberal, but. Uh, I found out that I, I've always been able to attract the kind of the nutcases, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, present, present company excluded, of oh, course. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, I've noticed that. Uh, because, you know, when, you're, when you smoke a lot of pot like I do, uh, your realities get, uh, compromised 
I guess, yeah, you could say that somewhat because then you start understanding instead, you know, instead of being judgmental, mm-hmm. I, I find myself more understanding the other person. Uh, and then, you know, and that makes me, uh, I don't know, because, you know, I am famous and then, uh, and that's what my rich friends like about me, you know, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they like the notoriety, you know, they like being noticed and, oh, there he is, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't know, you know, I, uh, you know, like all the problems that are going on in the world, when you, when you smoke up, the, the answer seems so obvious. Right. Yeah, you would think. And then you start wondering, uh, you know, second guessing yourself and saying, well, yeah, maybe they got a point, uh, blah, blah, blah. But uh, like, you know, the shootings and all that, like I, mm-hmm. if, if we tra- treated the world like a movie set, you know, like, you know, on a movie, there's a lot of things you you cannot do. You can't put people at risk. You can't harm animals in, in, in any fashion. Yeah. You can't, uh, you can't put children at risk uh, for the movie, you know. Uh, there's a lot of those common sense things, you know. And, and if we were to enact that in our regular life, th- th- then we would eliminate a lot of the 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 problems that face in the world, you know, especially America. And then I realized that well, you can't because that's the whole purpose of us. Our existence really is to learn, and and you can't learn if everything's perfect, you know. Uh, that's it's, it's the imperfection that works that makes everything work. But I think with something like, you know, the mass shootings, maybe we could. I think your idea about common sense, I feel like why aren't we using like more common sense approaches to gun legislation? Um, Maybe that ties into- It's called greed. Greed, yeah. It's called greed. You know, people, you know, when you you bet on something, uh, you want to make money. And so you want, it doesn't matter what, if the bet's morally right or wrong, you just want to win in order to make money. And that's what happens with, uh, say, with the gun people, you know. Now, I, 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 I think, see, you know, my, my solution for the gun problem is insurance. Just plain old insurance. Well, insurance. If you're going to, uh, whatever, if you're going to have a dangerous animal, say, in your property, you better have some good homeowner insurance, yeah. you know, in case that animal hurts somebody, uh, then you're protected, you know, financially, or the person that got hurt is protected financially. Yeah. And if we had the same kind of rules with, with weapons, uh, I think we'd eliminate a lot of the problems because you can't go, you can't be in business if you're selling things that, that kill people and, and yet there's no repercussions for it. You know, there has to be some repercussions for if I were to manufacture a toy, for instance, and it hurt people, uh, I would have to bear the consequences, you know, 
oh, and, I th- I, and, and, and and this thing with the guns, it, 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 it's turned into such a political football that, that they exactly. lose sight of the fact that this is to protect people. Yeah. You know, exactly. I've never, it's, it's, un, it's un, unfathomable to think that, that nowadays, and with the with the technology that we have, that we can't protect children in school. I know it's insane. I mean, that's what stop signs, and and signs that say slow, uh, school, or or if the school bus stops, you can't pass that school bus. Yeah. You know. Now, why would why wouldn't they want, want that? They being the gun manufacturers would want that kind of protection. On their very, and the reason is, is that there's no downside for the gun manufacturers. And that all of a sudden becomes someone else's problem. You know, hey, we made a gun, we have the right to bear arms, therefore uh, we shouldn't bear any responsibility. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't make sense in, on any stretch of the imagination. And the only reason they get by with it is because of the threat of the the political loss you know it's like oh if you don't do what we say we'll you know we'll vote you out we'll vote some other idiot in that's going to do what we we want you to do you know well that's no way to run a uh, to run a civilization you know and, and so so my my whole idea with the, with the gun thing is is to uh, make if, if you, like anything in movies, if, if you're going to, in order to make a movie, you have to uh, have a lot of insurance mm-hmm. in case in yeah. case something uh, wrong. Well, like uh, uh, Alex Baldwin is a good example. Alex Baldwin, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, he's he's responsible for the death of that that uh, cinematographer. Yeah, you know, yeah. whether he meant to kill her, of course he didn't mean to kill her. Uh, but he did, and he did it with a weapon. And but the if in order to shoot that movie, by law he has to be covered with insurance. Yeah. And ho- hopefully, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, for everybody's sake, that that he is. And I'm, I'm quite sure that the 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 descend, you know, the people that the the lady's husband and that, you know, they're going to get some uh you know money for for what happened to him yeah. and i'm quite sure that baldwin won't be able to, to repeat the same same action you see but here we got mass shootings and the only thing well i i heard the senators say uh well we need the ak-15 or uh, because uh, we got a lot of feral pigs and, and we use them to kill feral pigs well, show me, <laughs> show, show me where you kill a pig. I want, I want to see that, and I want to see the pig that you shot. You know, yeah, that you needed an AKA to shoot a a, a, a wild pig. Yeah, that's slightly yeah. excessive. <laughs> no, it's it's it's. They're really stretching. It, it, it's what it is. It's racism at its at its peak. That's the core yeah, of a because, lot of the problems, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think what, what it is, and the reason you have those stupid gun laws is because of the racism. See, see, the, 
the politicians, you know, when it happened years ago, they, they banned the assault weapon. And I thought that was a permanent ban. Obviously, it wasn't. Next thing you know, 15 years go by, oh, we can have assault. We voted assault weapons in again, you know? Yeah. And, uh, come on, America. Wake up. Smarten up. Yeah. But the good news, if there's such a good news, is that ye shall reap what ye shall sow. And, and all those gun companies, they're not going to have a very pleasant time of it uh, from here on in for a long time. And we're talking eternity. <laughs> we're around for a while. You know. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. <laughs> well, I feel like um, something you said about like voting in other people, I feel like that's kind of important, though. Like, I feel like it's really important for us to know who is representing us, right? Like I live in Texas and unfortunately there are some people who representing me that don't, uh, that I don't align with their, their, their views and stuff. Um, but when I've been talking to people, like, just like I asked the barista when I was getting my coffee and just like people that I, in my life, like, do you know who your state representatives are? Most people don't. Like I didn't know who my state representatives were before I started uh, law school or working on this podcast. Like, I looked them up during law school because I was only because I was taking a course on legislature. So I was meeting sure. my representatives and I had to ask them questions. So I looked them up, but I feel like that's really important because when I talked to them for that course, I got to talk to some of the Texas state representatives, like um, members of the Senate and house. And one of the things that I took from that course was that when the representatives are hearing from their constituents, one of them like flat out said that when he gets in like, 500 emails like form letters that are all the same about a topic he doesn't really pay attention to that because it's so easy to just click a button and send an email right but when he gets mm -hmm. a letter from a constituent about like an actual problem he's probably going to pay more attention to that so that kind of like upset me because if there's 500 people sending you an email about a topic it's probably something that 500 people in your district are uh, you know concerned about so they should pay attention but maybe if individuals are reaching out instead of sending just the form letter if they were actually reaching out and talking to their representatives like it could make a difference like i've been trying to have a meeting with my state representative and i've been like six weeks now i've been trying to like meet with him and he says like the the staff member has been very kind and gracious in getting back to me and like setting up this appointment but i'm still trying to like actually pin down a date so I feel like I'm close and I'm really hopeful that I'm going to actually get to talk to my state representative but have you ever like do you know who yours are have you ever reached out to a state representative about like an issue you're having as a constituent no no to, no. to be okay. honest with you I have no clue who my state representative is no. I just re recently decided to be a, a democrat because I'm a Canadian so I was I, I was really wasn't belonging to any other to any place until uh until i started you know still the the trump thing started jumping in in front of me you know mm -hmm. and i've got a lot of i got a lot of trumpy friends you know because uh i guess uh you know the wildness of you know cheech and chong <clears throat> you know these people uh well i grew up with was with uh was right wing uh sort of racist i grew up in a very racist uh a town in, in Canada called oh, wow. Calgary, Alberta. Calgary, oh, Alberta, Canadians Canada. Were nice, Tommy. 
<laughs> oh no, no, they're they're racist as hell. I mean, oh, they, wow. they they don't they're not. Uh, you know, they're they're Canadians can be very nice, you know, the, but the worldly ones, you know. Yeah. But uh, where I grew up, there's it's like Texas. In fact, oh. I, I in fact my first girlfriend was was from Texas, and uh, and when she found out that I was dating a, a, a black girl, <laughs> she kind of put me down, you know. Oh, wow. she, she put me down, down, down. Oh, no. <laughs> but then, but I found out, you know, uh, when I got into the black culture, I, I, I was more at home with the, with the, the hip people, you know, and then I, 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 I copied the music. I ended up, you know, because before I met the, the, the black uh, inhabitants of Calgary, I, I was into country music totally. And uh, it wasn't until I met the football player, you know, Tommy and the singer, and then he, he turned me on to rhythm and blues. I had no idea what rhythm and blues was. And then my black girlfriend, because we were dancing, we were in uh, these dance contests together. Uh, I got turned on to the good music, you know, and I go way back to the 50s. And, and, so, and, and so my life changed radically. Uh, in fact, my first band was called The Shades because we're all different colors. Oh, nice. <laughs> we, we're, we're rare meeting them and well done. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had, you know, and, I, and I've been lately, you know, with all this stuff going on, I've been sort of soul searching, you know, because I understand, like I say, I understand that mentality of fear and ignorance. I understand that because that's what Calgary was. Calgary was, I, we got, like I told you, when I found the black culture in Calgary, they were, it was hidden. They had no like community hall. They had no, uh, n nothing to recognize the fact that they were a culture other than a church. And even the church was kind of, it, it wasn't owned by anybody. You know, they were renting out the, 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 the space to, to worship God oh. uh, in, in their own, in their own manner. And, and Calgary, the black people of Calgary were descendants from the slaves that when they freed the slaves, and this is, they came from Texas, by the way. And, and they, they had a wagon train and they looked at the map. They wanted to get the furthest away from <laughs> Texas as they could. And they found all the way north. <laughs> a, a place called Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Wow. But when they got to Edmonton on the wagon train, the city fathers in Edmonton wouldn't let the black people stay in Edmonton. And so they had a, they give them some land up north of Edmonton and it was called, it's called Amber Valley. And it was a black community still there today. And, uh, and the, you know, some of them are very uh, wealthy and, you know, I mean, they, they did well, you know, because they were treated properly, but they had their own everything. And, and that's, that was the amazing thing. And and then when I got with the black culture, I also ran into a lot of uh, problems that the black people have, you like, know. Well, for well, we had a band, and 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 like I said, the singer was quite very flamboyant, and it was really a good athlete. Beautiful black uh, uh, guy named uh, Tommy Milton. Well, Tommy grew up on a farm. And part of his job was dealing with horses, so he could ride a horse. 
but he he never rode with a saddle very very seldom uh it was mostly bareback and uh, <clears throat> and kind of wild so what we would do when we were going around because in in alberta they got a lot of places where you can rent horses you know to ride Oh, nice. and, and what we would we would rent these horses near Calgary, near the city, and the guys, you know, they don't give a shit, you know, rent the horses, go have fun, and then bring them back, and you know, so we would, you know, have a lot of fun chasing each other, and uh, and and most of the rented horses, they don't like to gallop or do anything, you know, they just want to walk, and, and then when you turn around to go home, boom, they want to go back to the barn. Well, we were we would play like cowboys and Indians, you know, because we're all kind of wild. <laughs> and so we rented horses one time from this, <laughs> this guy, and, and he, he was like the old school, and you could tell he had never rented to black people before. And so, so he tried to treat us kind of like 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 they would like kids, you know. He'd say, "Okay, everybody, line up, you know, follow me." And we said, ah, take off. And so we just took off riding. And so he had to chase us. And so now we had a real Western thing going, you know. <laughs> We're riding like outlaws ahead of the guy, and the guy's chasing us on his horse. And then we went into a, there's a bunch of uh, uh, a little uh, cropping of trees, you know. We hid in the trees. We were in the, the guy, went, the owner of the thing went, racing by us you know and then he finally he finally caught up to us and so then he pulled the the white man thing you know and he's he, he told tommy he says get off that horse he grabbed the the range you know uh, tommy's horse and he says uh, to tommy you get off that horse you're walking back you know? and tommy goes nah, i don't think so <laughs> and, and we took off <laughs> we took off right riding again and so the guy called the cops on us oh, shit. and so we, we we brought the horses back and then we were in a cafe or something and then that's when the police came up and they took every one of us met through us in, in the in the thing and took us to the station and and my my girlfriend at the time my uh the girl that i ended up marrying my first wife maxine she was with me and so we were all treated like 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 runaway sites you know they, they were they were kind of nasty about it but we were laughing because we didn't hurt anybody you know horses yeah. were fine you know in yeah. fact the horses horses kind of like the like, you know. <laughs> they got to stretch their legs a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 more more exciting than you know walking in line but that was just one example of uh of what we would run into and then uh, because in the band we were all athletes and so uh and we had fought uh, street fights you know back in the day you know there was no sh school shooting but there was i'll meet you after school yeah, <laughs> there was there was a lot of fisticuffs <laughs> you know and, yeah. and and there was no guns or knives or you know involved just straight on you know duke it out yeah and so so we when we had our band you know we were used to having to to uh defend uh you know our our position we weren't we were like the first punk band you know really 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 punk because everybody in the band was for the most part was an athlete and then eventually everybody was was 
you know, when we only had, we had the only white guy we had was a drummer and, and he was a court reporter. So he wasn't much of a, a fighter. But then uh, we ended up with, remember a group called the Three Dog Night? Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, the yeah. drummer. The drummer, who was the only black guy in the band, he he's he's my brother-in-law. Oh, wow. My first wife. <laughs> yeah, Floyd. And so Floyd Floyd joined their band, and that's when we we toured uh, uh, the States. And that's how we, we connected down in the States with, with Floyd on the, on the drums. Uh-huh. And then... Yeah, then going back to Canada, Floyd and Tommy got in an argument. And so Floyd quit the band, joined the Three Dog Night. And then we had a, a singer, we we called a singer that we met in in uh, San Francisco, Bobby Taylor. And Bobby said, oh, I'll, I'll play drums, man. You want a drummer? I'll be a drummer. And so Bobby came up and, and, and that's when we got discovered with Motown because he was such, had such a good voice. And so that's when uh, my career, uh, you know, as a Motown star, it went national because I wrote a, I wrote a song uh, called "Does Your Mama Know About Me," and uh, and that went, uh, you know, kind of viral, and uh, and that that started my career, you know, until I got fired, and then when I got fired, I went up to, back to Canada to the nightclubs, and and that's when I met Cheech, and then 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 when I met. Then after I met Cheech, uh, we became, uh, that's when we became comedians instead of uh, musicians, you know. How did you, so, how did you go from musicians to comedians? Like, like where did you meet Cheech and how did you do that transition? Well, because we were so successful with our After Hours Club, this other friend of mine that owned a, 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 a nightclub in, in Chinatown in Vancouver, he actually gave me the nightclub. He said, you got it make it work, pay me rent, we're, we're cool. And, and with all the equipment, everything. So I turned the nightclub running? into, I turned it into. Hmm? Like you were running the nightclub? We owned it. We, oh, okay. we, yeah, we, we were like the owners. Okay. Even though we paid rent, they were like, the guys that put it together, they're like the landlords. And so I, it was a strip club until I went back and then I turned it into an improvisational nightclub. And okay. so we, and, and so that's how we, uh, and I turned the strippers into actresses. And then, and, and that's when I met Cheech. And he was part of the acting group I had. Oh, and then Cheech, and then Cheech, and then when the group broke up, Cheech and I stayed together. They, my, the group went back to being a strip club. And then Cheech and I went down to LA and became uh, Cheech and Chong. Oh, wow. <clears throat> that's awesome. So I have to tell you something real quick. Um, when I was little, like in elementary school, I used to have this little red strawberry shortcake AMFM radio, and I would listen to 99.5 Kiss here in San Antonio, and I would always know it's Christmas when I would hear you guys telling me um, that Christmas. And it comes in his old lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I hear that, I would officially know it was Christmas time, presents were coming, and I would get so excited, but just having you guys... I mean, just in my life, I just, you guys have been in my life since I was a kid. And I just, I'm so grateful that you're here talking to me right now. <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, you know, that is our connection with, with a lot of people that, that we've been around so long that we were the first very hip thing that a lot of people heard, you know, yeah. especially uh, 
like Santa Claus and his old lady. Because when you think of the story, when you think of the story, a little bit more for Santa, a little bit more for Santa. <laughs> yeah, I, I listened to it again recently. I was cracking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We're supposed to do a, a Christmas bit every year, and that, we only got one out. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't top that one that was yeah such no, a, perfection such a classic. <laughs> yeah yeah we uh yeah we we had a, a beautiful run a beautiful run with the records seven years and then and then the movies another seven years with the movies and then i was alone i guess for longer um yeah 84 90, no and then we yeah yeah, it took, uh, yeah, yeah, I had, yeah, just thinking about it, you know. <laughs> There's seven year, uh, yeah, seven year increments, you know, where we, uh, Cheech and I together. And we're back together, only this time we're selling uh, legal weed. Oh, <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I can't wait to go to a state where it's legal so I can try it for the first time. <laughs> still, it's still illegal in uh, in Texas, huh? Yeah, it's not it's not legal in Texas. Okay. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry. Yeah, we're in a coffee shop, so I figured somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. You're in Texas too, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes it that makes it even more understandable. <laughs> yeah. Um, San Antonio, huh? San Antonio, yeah, south side of San Antonio right now. That's, outside that's, of San Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the way to uh, on the way to Houston. Um, yeah, it? it depends on where you're going. Where are we? Like, yeah, it's like the South Side. What was that? Thirty-seven. I don't. Is that where? Is that where they have the uh, the the what do you call those shops? The like, uh, uh, you know, thrift shops. What do you, what do they call those? Flea markets. Market. The, the flea market. market. Flea market. Yeah. Flea markets and Market Square and yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, they have flea markets where you're at. Yeah, that's yeah. Where, that's where you get your immigration papers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah, no, luckily, luckily, I was born here in San Antonio, so I I, I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, San Antonio, I love that place, man. You got some real. What are those little, those blackbirds that'll dive bomb you, bomb you when you're walking? Crackles? Yeah. <laughs> suckers, man. You go around mating time, those suckers will come at you and dive at you. Yeah, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's typical Texas. Yeah. Everybody's attacking you. <laughs> yeah, I was just with a Texan yesterday. Texas uh, lawyer. Very High par high profile lawyer Larry, Larry and Janelle last night. Oh yeah, at a very very nice restaurant. We had a nice time. Yeah, no, I love Texas. Always have, always have. And but I respect also respect Texas, you know, because it's uh, it's kind of wild. It's more Mexico. In fact, what does Texas mean in Mexican in the Mexican language? Tejos, right? Tejos. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> thank you so much for for being here i don't want to take up much more of your time um when do you think when do you think it'll get legal in texas 
Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what do you think we need to do? Like, I, I know you've been working, you've been an activist for so long. Yeah. yeah you like more yeah. to get more organized here in Texas. Like, I don't, I, what, I don't know why it's taking so long. Cause when I, when I talked to those representatives, one of them was like, when marijuana is legal in Texas, not if it's legal. So it's just like, well, I don't yeah. know what the whole yeah. is. Like, do we just, I maybe we need well, what'll probably happen it'll probably be legal federally and then it'll have to be legal then yeah you know, see, right, federal. right now right now the reason it's not the reason it's, it hasn't been legal for so long is that the law enforcement by making it illegal that's how the black market uh, thrives because once you make it legal then the government takes their cut and then the owners of the legal pot shops, they pay their expenses. They take the, and they take their profits, but they got to pay taxes on everything, you see? And so you have to keep track of all your sales. You got to know how much you're selling. Well, illegally, when you go a black market way, it's nothing but cash. And, and, and then when you need to, you know, someone needs to get arrested, you know, then some poor sucker will go to jail for life or whatever. Some poor, poor immigrant, usually. And, uh, and the law enforcement, you know, the DEA and, uh, and all the law enforcement who are very crooked, by the way, uh, they, they continue to make uh, cash-free money. See, when they legalized pot, there was a lot of uh, law enforcement people, uh, judges and lawyers and, and cops, who up until then had second homes, had yachts, you know, yeah. had all the stuff that they could never afford on a salary, but they could afford on, on the black market money that, they're, that they were getting. And, and so you take that away from people. That's why, that's why it's, it's been so long getting it legal. Also, another reason why it's not legal is because we, we have treaties all over the world with countries that oh, used to be legal and 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 those treaties uh, you know they supersede anything because you're paying countries millions of dollars not to grow pot not to do things and when you do that then it turns their countries into a black market and 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 draconian laws like in the Indonesia and China it's a death penalty if you get caught with 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 uh, pot, you know. Yeah, it's crazy because it, it, marijuana has always been a medicine, yeah. but because because the Mexicans need it, you know, when they were coming across the border legally or illegally, you always had your mota, you always had your weed uh, because it's medicine. See, it's always been medicine for the indigenous people, you know. And, and, and yeah, you get high and you can enjoy music and enjoy anything when you're high. And, and yeah. back in the day when the Mexicans, you know, when the Pachucos and the, and the uh, low, what do they call the uh, zoot suitors, you know, oh, those, 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 yeah. those, those, the bad guys, you know, then, uh, 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 then uh, the white guys made it illegal. Anything that the, the homeboys did, well, okay, that's illegal. And they, they made, they turned, you know, the, the Mexican culture, so many of them, into uh, criminals, 
you know, like like lowriders, and and that's what Up and Smoke did. We we broke that that whole code of uh, of uh, showing Chicanos with with headbands and guns. You know, we broke that whole mode. You know, and and we, we, here we are with uh, Up and Smoke. We got a, a lowrider who's got a funny car <laughs> and a, and a hippie partner that wants just wants to play drug drums and get high yeah that's super chill, dude. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and, yeah and 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 we just changed the culture of america you know yeah. like with our records with everything we did and I'm, I'm i'm really really proud of that fact that that we were we made a difference i, I really feel that it wouldn't have been as legal as it is now in most of the country had it not been for cheech and chong and that was our interview with Tommy Chong. Unfortunately, we got cut off. Hopefully, we can finish this conversation at some point in the future. Please check out our sponsor, Tandem. Their website is tandem-satx.com. And you can also find them on Instagram and Facebook at Tandem S-A-T-X. And finally, I would like to say thank you. Thank you to our producer, William Sarver, for putting this whole thing together. Thank you to Eric Macias for creating all the music. And thank you to our intern, Madeline Sarver, for creating all of the artwork. Also, if you're still listening to this, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Have a good day.